I'm done. Have you ever heard it? I'm done. That's it. I'm done making excuses. Say that with me. I'm done making excuses. I'm going to lose that 10 pounds that I promised myself. I'm done making excuses. All right? Y'all with me? Yeah. Don't do it anymore. I'm just done. Well, I'm done complaining. I'm done complaining. Somebody said, well, I don't complain anymore. I just give negative observations. <laughs> oh, no. You're done complaining. Complaining comes from a bad spirit. Complimenting comes from a good spirit. Amen? Amen. Sure. Complaining is a bad, but, but, but complimenting is, is just totally different. And then we talked to you last week about fear. Don't live in fear, you know, anymore. Why? Because it will paralyze you. It will cripple you. You ought to be bold and brave to say, God, whatever it is that you have for me to do, I'm going to step out there and get it done. And then this week, now that we're not talking about excuses, complaining, or fear, we are going to talk about comparing. Now, wait a minute. I know you might be saying compare. Uh, I don't compare. Well, the deal is, oh, yeah, you do. You may not do it consciously. You might do it subconsciously. But if you're a human being, and most people are, no robots here that I'm aware of, we do, we do compare probably more than what we realize. And we're going to bring that to all of our attention. You see, one individual is a friend of mine that did a study or a survey on Facebook. He has, I don't know, 20,000 plus followers on his Facebook. He said, he put out there, what do you believe that most people compare with themselves or their lives? That's the question. He got a tremendous response, but there were four, there were four of the top ones that came back. And I'm going to share those four with you just for a moment. He said, number one, the survey said, hey, we compare possessions, compare possessions, and we do it consciously or subconsciously. We compare cars, we compare houses, we compare furnishings, we compare positions, we compare, you know, money, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the other, we compare appearances. Do you believe that? Here's what I believe. I don't even need an amen on this. I think most women can size up another woman in a heartbeat. Here's how it goes. I've seen it. Now, man doesn't do that. He doesn't do like a woman and go start at the hair and go down to the shoes. A man goes... Big difference. Compare. They do that. You know, well, what is that hair? That's too blonde for you. You know, woman, that's too blonde. And the dress you got on, it doesn't compliment you. Or that dress fits you perfectly. And you know what? It should go down a little further. What's that neckline? You know, supposed to be a sweetheart neckline, a square neckline, or a plunging neckline. That's not good either. And the women say, well, does it fit well? Hello? Yeah, fits real well because she's got on Spanx. <laughs> and do the shoes match? That's the big deal. Some of you have more shoes. I mean, more shoes than you could ever imagine. D, our chief of security here at Victory, has more shoes than any woman in the church. 
but many of you have a, a passel of shoes. And I mean, you, you put on an outfit and you put shoes on, et cetera, et cetera. Sharon, she doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. She'll, she'll have an outfit on and she'll come down and she'll say, uh, which pair of shoes do you like? And she'll have on a black pair. And on this one, she'll have on a black pair. <laughs> which one do you like? I say, darling, anything you put on those beautiful feet is fine to me. Oh, don't even start that. Don't even start that. I want to know which one looks better. Or do you like this one over here? Now, you got to pay close attention, gentlemen, because if you watch what she, what she puts forward the most is the shoe she's leaning to. Okay? So you say, you know, once you watch, once you watch you say, you know what, I think you like that one better than the others. That's the one I'm going to. Are you sure? I'm extremely sure. I'll go downstairs. She'll come downstairs, and I look to see what she's wearing. Not any one of the three I looked at. <laughs> what happened to you? I decided to go with something else. Hello. And men, we compare. Men compare, you know, hairstyles, like do you have hair or not? That's how that works. We compare our cars. We compare our trucks, you know. We compare our tools. Look at this baby, buddy. It's got a drill bit a half inch that'll drill through a cement wall. I bet you don't have that. No, y'all don't, buddy. You don't have a chainsaw like I got. Let me crank this baby up. It's a McCulloch chainsaw. That's what men do. That's... Uh, that's number two, compare performances. We compare performances. You ever watch football and you watch it on television and they go to halftime and say, well, this team's got so many downs and so many yards and so many yards rushing, so many yards passing. They passed this. They had the ball this amount of, what is it, comparing both teams together for the stats. You see, we, uh, we, we, we compare performances on how we do and we compare it to maybe to how other people do and work. For example, I've dealt with young mothers who compared their practice as being a mother to their own mother or practiced their parroting mothering skills to another friend of theirs and often will say, I'm just a bad mom. You know, uh, they, they're so kind with their children, you know, and so sweet. And, and my kids, I tell you what, I, they get me upset. Listen to me, my friend. Don't worry, about, don't worry about comparing. Matter of fact, don't do it whether you're a good mom or not. Here's what you need to do. If you love your kids, you're doing the best that you can do, then don't you worry about how somebody else parents their children. You do what God called you to do. You are mama and you are irreplaceable. Amen. Amen. I see y'all up there. I see y'all, help me out. Can I hear an amen up there? Thank you. Over in that corner there. Yeah, put your shoes on, some of you. There you go. Performance. Then fourthly, compare circumstance. We compare circumstance. Like, wow, I've been trying to have a baby now for five years and we don't have one. I got a friend. Every time you turn around, she's having another child. What's up with that? Or how, how is it I'm available for marriage 
I, I've told God I'm available for marriage. And the only thing I ever get is being a bridesmaid for somebody else's marriage. And I, I can't seem to land a husband. Well, let me tell you something. God never called you to land a husband. Somebody say amen. What you do is wait on God's timing. It will come to pass. Somebody say amen. And then you have to fish a little bit. Hello? What does that mean, pastor? It means you, 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 you say you're worried about a husband. You need to look your best. Hello? Hello? Once in a while, you need to get out of those crazy-looking exercise gym clothes and put on something that would catch an eye rather than looking so frumpy all the time. And then you need to do something with that hair. You want to land? You want God to send a husband? God's going to say, I ain't sending any your way. You're not putting your best foot forward. What does your best foot forward look like? When you grocery shop, you. Y'all with me? Are you with me up there? Sure. You got to put your best foot forward. You got to put your best look out there. Hello? Your best look. Your fingernails don't need to have color on this hand, three fingers, and, and straight on this hand if you're trying to let God send somebody your way. My Lord, I'm on this subject, and I need to get off. And you men, you men, you need to wear clothes that fit. Amen? You don't need to wear a shirt that when you sit down, it opens up like an accordion right there. That's not good news. Put you some duct tape up right up the button section. That'll help keep it closed. You, you men know what I'm talking about? Keep your shoes shined. Hello? Hello? Shave clean like it needs to be once in a while. If you're going to shave or you're going to have a beard, at least trim it. Somebody walked up to me the other day and said, Pastor, and I've, 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 since my commitment, I've lost a little weight. He said, but it looks like to me you're putting on a little weight. You know what? I thought, well, that's something. Here's what I thought. Yeah, and you need to shave those nose hairs and ear hairs out your face. I mean, nose hairs, he could have done his teeth with his hair like crazy. Am, am I being real? You, you know what I'm talking about? The power and understanding of what it means as it relates. Put your best foot forward. You see, comparing will bring you heartache every time. I don't know what they make, but I, I, I think they got a raise and I didn't get anything. And I know I work harder than they, they work. That's comparison. It'll bring you heartache. And why does God hate for us to compare? Why does he, why does he do that? 2 Corinthians 10, 12, Paul writes, We do not dare compare ourselves with some who commend themselves, for they measure themselves by themselves themselves. 
and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Do you know what they do? That kind of person looks in the mirror and say, you're the most beautiful person in the world. Well, that's positive confession. And, but then they go on and say, there's nobody on the planet that looks as good as I do. You haven't looked at a magazine at the cash register checkout lately. We don't do that. We don't commend ourselves. Paul says, do this. Don't make that kind of commitment because it will take the peace, that peace that God has given you away. Success in life is about being who God wants you to be and not who you wish you were. Be who you're going to be. So God created you. See, God created you in his image. And you're going to enjoy commitment if you can settle the score with your own life. You might, on the other hand, say, okay, well, you don't know what I'm talking about. You know, some people say, my kids better look than their kids. Our family's better than their family. We got a bigger house than they've got, you know. And some cocky families might say, you know what? I can compare my family with anybody because we can't be beat. My kids are better looking. My kids are smarter. We have a beautiful home more than all of our friends. And you know what? If you feel that way, you're going to be one more cocky, prideful individual that none of your friends will want to hang out with. So if you wonder when it's time to go to the movies, nobody wants to go, there's your answer. If you're so good, build you your own movie room. Don't let the devil draw you in comparing yourself with anyone. You see, we mark people because they've been divorced. We mark people because they've failed. We mark people because maybe they're struggling financially. But I'm going to tell you something. I used to be able to say you can take this to the bank, but you can't. But you can take it to Jesus. God created you perfectly. And that his love for you can never be any greater than it is right now. You can say, God, I'm grateful for what you've given me. I'm going to take the best of what I have, and if I can, I'm going to make it better. But if not, I'm going to enjoy my life. Somebody say amen to that. I'm going to enjoy my life. Live life God's way. So here's what happens. This is a typical story. Two men are in the temple. There it is in Luke 18, verse 10. Scripture's there. They went to the temple and prayed, one a Pharisee, the other tax collectors. Tax collectors were despised because they would just pay, get the taxes for the Roman government, and then they'd add on whatever they, a surtax, whatever they wanted. And the old Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I think that uh, you, that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even like that old tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all that I get. Jesus is allowing this story to be told. That Pharisee's there. He's in the temple, and he's saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. I've got it all down right. And you know that tax collector over there, wow, we know, we know how we feel against tax collectors. And he felt he would get favor with God. Listen carefully. When you look around and to see the blessing in your life and you see favor and mercy and you see what God has done for you, be careful that you don't begin to compare yourself with others that may not have done so well. 
I look at every time I see a homeless person. I look and I think, God, I wonder what their story is. I wonder what kind of breaks in their life. I wonder what atmosphere. I wonder what family atmosphere they were in. I wonder what happened that broke their back, that broke their spirit. I wonder what it was that just slammed the door on hope for them, that they stand here with a sign, we'll work for food or need water, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You see, friend, had it not been for the grace of God, that could be me. It could be you. So what do we do? We pray and say, God, keep your hand upon them and guide their footsteps. Amen? That's what we do. And we give as the Lord permits us to give. Every person in Hebrews chapter 11, you look at it and say, oh, look what Enoch did. Look, look what others did. Oh, my Lord, look what Abraham did. Hebrews chapter 11, look at that. But you know what? And the day that they were doing what they were doing, had they submitted a resume to the godly committee and say, I'd like a job, they would have been turned down, every single one of them. But what happened? God's favor, God's anointing, God's blessing came into their life. They became obedient, and God used them, and they conquered great kingdoms, and they witnessed, and they won many battles that ordinarily would not be won. And God took an old prostitute, a high-class girl, Rahab, and said, I'm going to put your name in the Scripture. And he did. What do we do? We say, I'm not... God, I'm just going to, I'm going to get my bags and I'm going to enjoy what I, what I have. And then you have to be careful that you're not jealous of other people who have been blessed. Here's how this goes. Well, Lord, I go to church. I pay my tithe. I'm in small group. I'm signing up for this new program they got. But my neighbor never goes to church. My neighbor, Sunday is the day they just bought a brand new boat. Wow, it'll pull three skiers at a time. They've got sea-doos in the driveway. They've got jeeps that'll climb the steepest mountain. It's unbelievable. They've got a big pool in the back. They've got huge grills and brick, everything else. They've got it all got. But listen, I mean, we, we struggle to make ends meet from time to time, and we barely can scrape enough to have a vacation, God. Well, what is up with that? I'll tell you what's up with that. One day there's a day of judgment And the Bible says that everything that we've ever been given, not by might nor by power, we think it's by our work. You know what? God could strike you right now, and you couldn't even get up out of that pew and stand on your own two feet. So if you compare yourself that way, you're making a big mistake. God, I want to thank you right here. For what you've given me, we still have that charcoal grill, but it cooks as good as any we've ever had. As a matter of fact, Lord, our pork chops, hallelujah, taste better than those on their big gas grill. Y'all still with me? You with me up there? So here's what happened. David, David, of course, is a man that served Saul, serving Saul for Samuel, six, or for Samuel 18. Said so when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out of the town of Israel to meet King Saul and with singing and dancing and joyful songs, all of that. There they go. 
joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. They, they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And Saul heard that. He said, I don't like that. I'm the king. Okay, big king. He became jealous. He tried to take David out. Pride began to fill up. And as pride began to fill up, David always remained humble. He only served Saul. He only cared for Saul. But see, what Saul forgot was this. Saul had ultimate power, but he forgot it. Saul was the king on the throne, but he forgot it. Saul had everyone accountable to him, but he forgot it. Saul was the king, and the kingdom laid at his disposal. And so the bottom line is Satan tricked Saul into that revengeful, prideful situation in his life. How do you overcome the temptations of Satan's voice when he suggests that you compare? Well, here's what Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who strengthens me. Paul's in prison. He writes that in prison. He can't go and come like he wants to. He's falsely accused. God's anointing is upon him. And he said, hey, I've just learned to be content. So God, if a charcoal grill is all I've got for now, and God, if what I have now is not a husband, but I have a good life as a single person and a single mom, God, I'm, I may not make as much as old George or even my brother-in-law over there, but it seems to me I'm a whole lot happier than they are. God, I may not have the nicest car. As a matter of fact, sometimes I, I ride on ball tires because I can't afford new tires. Well, let me just tell you, Paul said, hey, I've learned to be content because here's what I know. God will supply your need and always has according to his riches in glory. Amen. And I'm a whole lot sooner to get more blessing in my life if I remain faithful for what I have rather than complain about what I don't have. Paul said, I've learned to be content. And contentment, have you noticed, doesn't come automatically. It's something that we have to work out. We have to make our minds be content. We have to work through that. And then finally, there's something else that Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, verse number 10. Here it is. For we are God's workmanship, say amen. amen, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good work. God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to be lazy, created in Christ Jesus to sit on a stump, created in Christ Jesus to complain and murmur, created in Christ Jesus to police everybody else's religious life. Created in Christ Jesus to have all I want and be selfish. Created in Christ Jesus to call my own plays and my will. Created in Christ Jesus to be stubborn, prideful, and no good. But created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Amen. Don't ever complain about how busy you are. I can take you to rehab centers 
and visit with people that are not old what would give almost anything to be busy again. I can take you to cemeteries and show you the age of a person who died way too soon. That their family would almost give anything if he or she was still there to enjoy their presence. Don't ever complain about how busy you are. You're created to do good works. Here it is now, which God prepared for you to do in advance. In advance. Here's where you need to pay attention. You did not arrive where you're at by accident. You didn't just wake up and appeared on the scene to sit in Victory Church. I have a friend that I talked to this morning. He's a minister. He failed. He blew it and got out of the ministry, and that's it. I'm giving up. I quit. I'm done. And I talked with him for year after year. As a matter of fact, I talked with him every Sunday morning, this morning at 545. I told him, I said, you know what? You're called. You're a man of God. You're called. Get out there and preach like you're supposed to do. Well, you don't understand. I said, no, I'm not going to be understanding. I'm going to tell you the straight truth. God did not call you once you failed to live a life of a failure. God called you once you failed to get up, brush yourself off, ask for forgiveness, and then become a conqueror one more time. He said to me this morning, I've told him that over and over. I said, do you realize when you're not in that pulpit preaching that somebody that I believe God designated would be saved in your ministry, how in the world is that going to happen if, in fact, you're not out there proclaiming the good news? Listen to me, friend. We said, well, I couldn't bear to know that. Do you know how many people you've missed by not being obedient to God and stepping out in faith? Do you know how many people have not heard the good news? He told me this morning, you're going to be happy with me. I said, I'm happy with you you all the time. He said, I'm preaching today at a church here in my community. I said, thank God. Once again, somebody is going to get saved because God knew before the beginning of time, you'd show up today and prepare their heart to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Amen. Don't think your life is just wandering around somewhere. God has a work and a designated place for you before you ever knew anything about it. But you'll miss it if you're sitting over there complaining and sitting over there comparing and sitting over there giving excuses and sitting there in fear, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get up and you say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be glad in it. Amen. My body and my knees may not work like they used to, but bless God, I want you to know I've still got some motion in me. I'm going to go. Come on, somebody. Help me out. Amen. (coughs) Well, I don't look as good as I used to. You know what? You look better than you used to. You were ugly when you thought you looked good. Now you really do look good. Anybody with me? Y'all with me up there? What I'm trying to say, he says, stop it. Stop the comparison. 
put it under the blood. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me loudly, okay? I'm talking like loudly. If I offended you in this message today, I want to ask you to repeat after me, I'm done with the excuses, I'm done with complaining, I'm done living in fear, and I'm done comparing. And then the end, to God be the glory. Are you ready? After me. I'm done with excuses. I'm done with complaining. I'm done living in fear. I'm done comparing. To God be the glory. Amen. Now put your hands together and let's give him a rip-roaring praise offering. Tonight I'm going to be talking about overcoming crisis. I'm ready, friend. I am ready. But you might be here this morning and you might, you've laughed a little bit. Sure, it's one of the reasons we make a little bit of humor. Had a man that drove all the way from Bradenton this morning to be here and to listen to the message today. Wow, a wealthy individual lives on the beach there in Longboat Key. And he said, I, I tell you, I've, I've never heard a message like that. Well, I take that as a compliment. You could take it. Well, I'm sorry. I apologize, you know. But listen to me, friend. Serving God is a whole, it's the most exciting thing in the world. You get to go to bed at night and you don't have to feel guilty. And matter of fact, if you blew it that day before you go to bed, you get things right with Jesus, amen? If you had a fuss with your spouse, guess what? You get to stay up all night until you get it settled. How wonderful is that? Amen? How wonderful is that? What I'm trying to tell you, He is wonderful. Amen. And He will forgive you if you ask. So I'm going to ask you just to repeat this prayer after me. Let's all do it up in the balcony in here. Here we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I admit that I failed. I admit I've made mistakes. I admit that I've sinned. I admit at times I just want to do what I want to do. But this morning, I'm asking for forgiveness. Forgive me. I believe I am forgiven. I believe I am forgiven. I believe I am forgiven in Jesus' name for his glory and honor. Amen. One more time. One more time. In James 5, 14, it says, is any sick, any of you that need, uh, need a healing? I told our worship team before we went out, before the first service this morning, I said, you don't know how warped people are when they come to church. You don't know how many are ready to throw the towel in in their marriage. You don't know how many are fighting an uphill battle financially. You don't know how many are tormented by evil spirits. You don't know how many are having more problems that they've never told anybody about. You don't know how many have considered suicide. You don't know that, but he does. But it's our job to preach the gospel and believe that our God, hallelujah, can move in and say, you don't have to feel that way. I will forgive you. So I'm asking you, 
If you're sick in your body and you need a touch from God, don't you dare let pride keep you in your seat. You slip down here and do what the Bible says and let them anoint you with oil and pray the prayer of faith and you'll be healed. I'll give you the benediction in just a moment, but let's let God move in this altar moment. Can we do that? You come as God directs. Here we go, everybody. help us. Heavenly Father, we've heard the straight truth today. We love you. You want us to be better. You want us to grow. You want us to be disciplined and discipled. And God, we've heard your word today, but now we get an opportunity to decide what we're going to do with what we heard. We can either complain about it we can make an excuse. Or God, we can simply say, Lord Jesus, you spoke to me and this is what I believe you're having me to do. I'm gonna do it for your honor and your glory. I don't wanna miss my opportunity as a follower of Christ. If you created good works through Jesus Christ for me, in advance for me to do, I wanna be certain I'm where you need me to be to do what it is you've called me to do. God, I will engage. I will not just be a spectator. I'll be a participator in the kingdom of God. And God, I will not let the enemy cause me to ever compare myself to anybody else's on my job, in my church, in my family. I thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray and everyone said, amen. I love you, everybody. Tonight, overcoming crisis. I'll see you. Take care.